And then Griffin's like, so where the fuck are you going? And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm going to like go record a podcast with my friends. I was like, I was like, Papa Spud is going to be there. And then he's like, we got to talk like, about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hold yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday scaries. Well, because okay. you sent me that message, and I was like, "What? Pause everything. I don't care anything. No, nothing related to the podcast or what all." But yeah. what is Papa Spud? Well, it's because it's because like last summer, legit, like last summer, uh, whenever, whenever I was, uh, whenever we introduced ourselves to each other, and yeah. then I found out Daniel's last name. It's Papas. Yeah, yeah. Papas. I was like, oh my god. I was like, it's Papas, like in, yeah. in like in in Espanol. And I was like, oh my god. I was like, that's cool. But then, but then I think like, yeah, like I think Griffin, like our buddy, had mentioned like, oh yeah, like everyone calls him like Big Papa or something. And I, I no was one like, calls me Big Papa. Yeah, and then I was just like, I was like, I I was like, I have to go against that. I was like, I would never call him that. I was like, I have to call him something else. And then. That's why I was just like, I'm going to call him Papa Spud and see what he says. And one day I just like said, like, I think I like threw it out in a text message and I was like, he didn't seem Let's offended. Let's see if this sticks. No, yeah. I, I've and heard, I think it, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm heard only every, calling Papa Spud from now. I've heard yes, like please. every variation of potatoes. Like when I, when I lived in Peru, they would call like Papa Rellenas, Papa Fritas, like, they had, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. thousand different Papa's names. So I'm like, that's like harmless. Yeah. I did have a girl call me in, in like my freshman year of high school. She called me Pap Smear for like a week. And that one, as, that you, as a ninth as grader, I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I feel like I shouldn't know <laughs> yeah. yet. Like that, one, it was like the forbiddenness of it that made it a bad, like a yeah, funny name. Yeah, for nickname. sure. Although, whatever. Griffin calls me about... Big Pop, and he's the only person. Yeah, no, that's why when he told me that, I was just like, I don't want to call no, him that. I was like, I that like feels. That. I was like, that feels weird. And then yeah, that's what I was like. You know what? I was like, that's he what likes I'm how call it you. makes me feel weird. That's like his thing. Oh okay, yeah. No, I I think yeah. It's the uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, hey, it's like no. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, by the way, this is cool. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm Absolutely. glad that I finally got time to like come over here. I know it's, this has been a long time coming. I hit yeah. up. I hit you up. Very, I have to say, yeah, this is, so. I've hit all my fantasy guest lists now, Travis. I'm like, <laughs> that's it. I'm well, out. now we just have to have recurring guests. I, yeah. yeah, come back. Please exactly. come back. Yeah, awesome. we've got lots yeah. more episodes to do. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, it's Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies and things that we think are interesting to fans of horror movies. Uh, each week we take a deep dive into a specific film and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. Uh, in this series, we're talking about slashers and this week we're tackling the second film of one of the greatest horror filmmakers, in my opinion, of all time. Amen. What did we watch? The Hills the Have Hills Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes. Yes. 1977. They wanted to see something different, but something different saw them first. The Hills Have Eyes. Mister, don't take your family back in that area. The silver has been gone for 40 years now. There's nothing back in there but animals. <laughs> Yeah. Have buttholes. Um, and by the way, I'm Travis. Uh, I'm sitting here with Daniel. Hey, everybody. I'm Daniel. And do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, guys. I'm Bianca. Um, I'm very excited to be here. I work at the Texas Theater, and uh, it's a pleasure to be surrounded by these men. 
Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> thank you. That's the first um, time I've ever heard that sentence. Yeah, it's a super. Yeah, it's a huge privilege to have you here. Uh, yeah, Bianca is a is a huge you know patron supporter, volunteer, worker, employee, uh, just all around person. It's a one of our poet. I'm making that uh, artist it out loud. Uh, I, yeah, I do. I do a lot of things. Her moniker on Instagram, the girl who works at the box office, I think perfectly encapsulates. Uh, it's me. Our affection for you and the great classic American theater that is right here in Dallas that we go to and patronize and have film fests at and they watch do movies uh, at. they do like little JFK tours around Dallas and they like they always stop at the Texas theater every yeah. single time. And I, I asked them once if they ever have any crazies. And it, it seems like it's not like a common thing actually. Like fanatics of yeah, the they're Ari. like trying to prove that right. I don't know. JFK. Yeah, he I think that happens <laughs> more like on the actual day. Like, uh, I think it's November 22nd mm-hmm. when we yeah. show both films that we're playing the day oh, of. Or yeah. we'll show JFK and that's when the conspiracy the theories JFK like, people come just out. come around and they're like, we're here to talk <laughs> about this. It's so weird it's like, how yeah. there's been a resurgence of that too with the, the newest wave of conspiracy theorists. Well, I was like, wow, that was a that was an old one. What was it that like, uh, a bunch of QAnoners came to Dallas and they just thought, stayed in Dallas because they thought, uh, not JFK, they thought JFK Jr. was Jr. going to come back Zombie JFK yeah. Jr. Yeah. And he was, who was a Democrat, a registered yeah, Democrat. Well, so was JFK. So. Yeah, and, and lead the Republican <laughs> Party or something. I like, I like the new wave conspiracy it's like yeah i guess it was you know all that stuff is is uh, open dom- like open domain now so it can be accessed by these various people just scooping right. up old recognizable ip well they're and- declassifying some <laughs> like they're declassifying some documents so like uh like the ufo stuff right uh, they declassified a bunch of those documents UAP. and it yeah and it yeah. like it drew new interest from yeah. people who were like more. oh the military doesn't know what those things were right and then jordan peele has to make a movie about it and i watched that movie a thousand mm-hmm. times I haven't seen it. You yet. haven't seen it. No. I haven't seen you it yet. As and as it's really it. difficult because we had it at the theater for like two to three weeks. So having to, uh, yeah, having yeah. to play the film and then being concessions while people are walking <laughs> by and like talking about it's like, torture. did you see that? And I'm like, okay, like if I can just not hear yeah. like what they said, then I'll be good. So, okay. so far. So far, no, no one has ruined it for me. Awesome. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's difficult, I feel like. Yeah, Anywhere. It really is. Stay off the internet. and Go see it in IMAX. And then listen to us can. talk about it for mm-hmm. an or hour and a half. We did an episode on it that was really fun. That was one of our uh, most popular episodes, actually. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, this week, guys, we watched The Hills Have Eyes, 1977, uh, the second film by writer-director Wes Craven. Um, was this... I know this wasn't the first time you've seen this, Bianca, but was this first your first time watching the uh, 1977 Yeah, my uh, absolute first time ever same actually this was a blind spot for me yeah of all the i feel like i've i've cherry picked you know i've seen all the big ones i guess i've seen on elm street and the screens it's funny when you line up his career you realize how deep yeah his his, like filmography goes and well he's got like one hit for every decade yeah he really does. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, his first film. Uh, so we're talking about Wes Craven, uh, the man, the legend. Um, you might know him from, yeah, the most popular films. I guess my top five, I don't know, like the first Scream movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, actually maybe above Scream. And then Serpent and the Rainbow was a big one for me. I saw that at Texas Theater, actually, for nice. the first time, like yeah. last when we summer had the, or something. Yeah, when we had the Wes Craven series, like I helped curate that. And I... Yeah, I made it mandatory that we would have Serpent and the Rainbow as well as a personal favorite of mine, The People Under the Stairs. That's one that highly I underrated. Seen as well. yeah. Like, uh, yeah, definitely one of his best best films for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Where does The Hills Have Eyes rank on you in the set of Wes Craven movies? So this would be around like my second or third time watching this film. And I think, yeah, I don't know if I could say that it's a top five right. film for sure. But I, I, I guess I would have to say that even like Last House on the Left, like would be above it. But Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... I think it's because both of them deal with so much torture that yeah. sometimes it makes me uncomfortable, like having to like rewind. Because whenever I was watching it, I really like, you know, taking random notes or like things that people say. And I'm like, uh, this is it's this tough. Is, yeah, there's a lot of those movies from this era. Just a bit. I yeah. saw a yeah. note that they were saying that like Wes Craven started his career by making two rape revenge movies. Yeah, they were like it's kind of a bold yeah. choice to make yeah. your second movie yeah. another rape revenge yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, and that first one too. I think the other thing aside from the content uh, in there is also like the weird tonal shifts throughout that movie. Last House on the Left. I haven't seen it yet. It's another. I one. think I've read the screenplay, but I don't. I don't. I haven't read it. Yeah, I've seen it. It's got a lot going on, but yeah, you're you're, right, you're exactly right. It's a rape, rape revenge movie but with that being said it's like it'll go from these intense scenes right. very very sort of you know of, of jarring you know sexual violence and stuff and then like they'll cut to these like bumbling cops who were like traveling the countryside and missing every clue and there's like kazoo music in the background and it's all like <laughs> oh Beverly God. Hillbillies all of a sudden and so oh, it, it just yeah it's like whiplash whenever you're you're watching it but it's still an interesting movie I think it's yeah like there's all the movies I feel like from this era you know I think there's that veneer on them as well where we're like okay this is a 70s low budget exploitation film and for better or worse these are part of the canon of you know horror and slashers and everything else that we we lump all together and has influenced all of modern horror and stuff too from the sequels to this movie to other movies that were it was inspired by for instance like texas chainsaw massacre um to the 2006 remake which was yeah i had that on earlier i do think like shot for shot i think uh Wes Craven might be one of the like the filmmakers that had the most of his stuff remade. Like Probably. of his original ideas, like the lion's share if, yeah, of if the you take popular stuff has all been remade. Freddy's nightmares and all of the like yeah, like characters even, by even him. this movie has yeah. a has a remake and um like I'm sure if you were to stack it up you'd see like a few more than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um I but, did, yeah, the sequels and stuff. I did But it's just interesting. Like yeah. as a filmmaker, he, like they always say like, Oh, you like the this one, you should go watch the original and you're like, Oh, he made all of the originals. Yeah. yeah. Or like a Definitely. whole bunch of those yeah. ones you went and saw, you were like, Oh, this was like formative movie in my childhood. You're like, Yeah, the same guy did the other one you really mm-hmm. liked originally yeah especially like the screen movies alone and like the we were just talking about this in bodies 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 about how yeah. like <laughs> that's that the motif like the model of the scream slasher getting carried over and replicated to various other movies you know in 2022 yeah. or also whatever. just to have such staying yeah. power through yeah. what, what we're saying what i said is like he has one for every decade to go from like the 70s 80s 90s mm-hmm. and just have a hit in every single decade is kind of impressive alone yeah um and let's talk about that let's talk about Wes craven the dude for for a second because he's a he's a fascinating guy who like didn't sort of he didn't he wasn't who you would expect to kind of be the, in the pipeline to become a director or filmmaker, um, given his like upbringing, his education and everything. Um, do you know a lot about his like background and his like childhood and shit? Not, not of his childhood. Like or I at was least his schools. Yeah. I was reading that, um, whenever he wanted to go back to school to finish his PhD, he like went around his circle of friends and asked every single one, like, Hey, what do you think I should do next? And every single one said, please do not like 
end like do not end up in school again yeah, like don't, don't get a PhD. don't finish your phd <laughs> and then that's how he decided you know what like fuck it i'm just gonna go and like make movies then and whenever he went and told i think it was like one of his professors you know what i've decided that i'm gonna go in and just make movies and said that they laughed in his face yeah like and you that, would. that sounds that sounds perfect to me right that he was just like you know what like i'm just gonna go and like make movies like instead of like using like using up so much of my life doing something i don't even care about doing Mm -hmm. because he was he was uh so um wes craven was raised in a fundamentalist baptist household uh so much of him made sense as soon as you said that i was like you know what yeah right Um, it all makes sense it clicks now he was raised in this uh yeah so in a a very you know churchy waspy household um and he's open about the fact that he actually didn't see a proper film until he was his senior year of college so growing up his parents uh thought that most you know public like media and like popular films and stuff were a little bit too sinful. Um, so he watched Disney movies, a, a few of those growing up, you know, in, in the fifties, uh, he would be 1950. Yeah, I think that, that works out right. The forties, fifties. Yeah. Fifties. Um, and then going into, uh, uh, school and, uh, going, he, uh, pursued a, a degree in the humanities and in English and stuff. And his senior year of college, he saw To Kill a Mockingbird um, and then went to go pursue his like one year master's and didn't watch another movie until like after that. Uh, and, but then he started consuming film and everything like voraciously. Cause he was like, he saw one movie and was like, I think, I think this film thing is what I want to do. And yeah. then just like you said, um, after doing that one year master's at John Hopkins in Maryland, um, he went on to teach English and humanities at uh, universities in Pennsylvania and New York for the next two years. Um, but then that whole conversation happened where he's like, yeah, uh, this PhD thing is not for me. Um, and he quit to pursue a career in film. <clears throat> And he got his first industry job editing films uh, and dailies for uh, Sean uh, Cunningham, who was uh, a producer uh, and who would continue to collaborate with him uh, on films as a writer for the next uh, few decades. Um, Sean Cunningham has this in with uh, a local theater owner in Boston, a a couple of local theater owners who would commission him to basically produce low budget films that they would use as the... Um, the second bills for their their showings at their theater. Um, so they reach out to Cunningham and they say, hey, do you want to help us produce a horror film or produce a horror film for us so we can use it as the second billing uh, for one of our main screenings or whatever. Uh, and so Cunningham talks to Craven. He's like, hey, I know you want to get into this filmmaking business. You want to write a horror movie. Uh, and so he says, I don't know the first thing about writing horror movies, but he went and uh, within two days came up with the script for Last House on the Left within in two days. So you're telling me that man, zero influence, mm-hmm. and his first idea was Last House on the Left? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So there's... His uh, noggin is... Ooh. There's something, yeah. And we'll start to unravel this as we talk about the themes of this movie, right? Um, I will say, so uh, Craven himself admits, though, that Last House on the Left is loosely based on the plot of a Swedish rape revenge movie called uh, The Virgin Spring um, by Swedish filmmaker Ingmar Bergman. Um, so it's it's a very a, a somewhat similar, but, you know, uh, similar idea. And he takes that and sort of inserts what will kind of be a recurring theme with some of his characters, these, you know, what you would assume would be uh conformist waspy well-to-do people who once they snap they turn into crazy people who commit heinous acts yeah uh and stuff which is kind of the running theme of that movie and sort of a theme in this movie too um so following the mixed reception of uh, last house on the left craven was trying to make not a horror movie he's like all right i want to write a western i want to do a, a romance or a comedy movie and he's trying to come up come up with these scripts with cunningham um and uh <laughs> write something that he thinks is you know not low budget 
pulp or whatever. Um, but then he runs out of money uh, pretty quickly, uh, like in most of these situations. And so uh, with no other work coming in and he's kind of strapped for cash, um, he's approached by producer Sean Locke, uh, who is like, hey, we want to make a movie, another horror movie uh, in the desert because we go out and we film in the Mojave Desert. We don't have to worry about, you know, permits and like we, it's much easier I think to I get saw access. It said that like uh, Locke's girlfriend worked in Vegas, so he mm-hmm. was doing the drive from LA to Vegas a whole bunch mm-hmm. and he just like saw the Mojave Desert as they were working working on the script it was mm-hmm. like why don't you just take this movie but set it in the desert exactly because this will be way easier to shoot like because you said it's like we don't need as many permits and locations and like it's like a small crew get it down to like six or seven cast members mm-hmm. and we can do this in a couple of weeks exactly and so they have they end up like uh choosing that as a location going out and like scouting it and then like almost dying because they like had a car breakdown on the way out there too oh uh, that's but, <laughs> eerie yeah it's an ominous uh, thing that i think like sets the tone for for movies like this uh but craven's like all right sure uh he goes to the new york public library and starts looking up you know gross uh, crazy ideas for a premise for a script and stuff uh and then in the forensic section he finds um this uh periodical about the legend of Sonny Bean. Uh, so we'll get into this in a second, but because, uh, yeah, this is a whole rabbit hole that I'm really excited to go into. You went down a um, rabbit hole, didn't you? I was, Both uh, of you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I had more time because we were going to record on Sunday, but uh, due to some maybe close COVID scares, we decided to put that one on pause because uh, yeah. uh, uh, I think Cameron might have interacted with somebody. And so we were like, all right, we'll reschedule. Uh, and so it just gave me extra time to <laughs> look into this like true crime stuff, which I'm actually really excited about. Um, but that's initially though that's craven in a nutshell and i think it's like it's fascinating to me that he like i said also in this time he apparently was working uh he had an alias that he would uh do filmmaking under and editing and he was also editing like pornographic films uh for a second that makes sense yeah the wikipedia article my favorite research uh i ever only do said that they borrowed all their equipment to shoot this movie from a porn set yeah it was a, like a low budget porn set. Which that means they, he they... probably knew somebody <laughs> who was making porn. From what I understand, there's he has one credit that's like in between Last House on the Left and um, The Hills Have Eyes, and he cre- he's credited as Abe Snake uh, for wow. this like some X rated like. <gasps> I wish I could see that. I wonder if it's like I if tried anyone... finding it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where you could like stream or. That sounds it's... like something the American genre <laughs> film archive would have. You know, the Draft yeah. House has that, uh, yeah. the like collection, the Afka or like Agfa or, or whatever. Or yeah. yeah, I forget, but it's yeah. probably in someone's like basement too. They're like, yeah. I'm never letting this go. <laughs> like, this they probably don't even know that it, what like what it's worth. No, not at all. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere. I don't know. But what's funny about like vintage uh, pornography? I was thinking about the, yeah, that vintage, which is like I don't know, it becomes it becomes art at some point, right? Right. Everything becomes art at some point. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk about, we're going to go into this. Uh, so Sonny Bean, right? So the whole premise of this movie, right? Um, I kind of, I don't know if we skipped over this up top. Um, the summary of the movie is, you know, on the way to California, a family has the misfortune to have their car break down in an area close to the public uh, and inhabited by violent savages ready to attack. Um, so this family stumbles into the uh, the realm of a horde of uh, cannibal murderers. Um, have you seen the 2006 remake? I have not. Okay. Nor nor after watching this one, I think I would not want to watch it, especially after hearing uh, that Wes Craven made uh, the 2006 remake just for cash. Yeah. Like He also made the sequel to this one for he, cash. Yeah. He wrote the sequel with his son, too, yeah. which I read the plot description for the, like, the latest, basically the last one that they made, 2008 mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, I was like, oh. 
I would kind of, I do kind of want to watch that though. But I think that about every movie. So yeah. don't listen to You're me. like, that sounds like a good story. I do every time. <laughs> I'm like, I would watch one. that. Every yeah. Um, I have yeah. yet to read a description. I'm like, eh, pass. Yeah. But the, I think the, the remake in 2006 does a really good, uh, I it, really want to talk about that though, because yeah. that's kind of where my, my touchstone is for this movie. Yeah. Like if I hadn't gone to film school, I don't think I would have known what it was. Yeah. Right. If, if it weren't for like, I remember marketing material for that mm-hmm. movie. It's um, a very because they they hit a lot more on the other aspect of the the sort of setup for this movie is that uh, it's supposed to take place in Nevada on like a nuclear missile. Like, thank test you. Site. That was my one big note. Yeah, because in the original movie, it's not. It's hint. It's mentioned. Right. And it actually is the inciting incident, like the plane flying over causes them to right, you know right. skid off the road. In the remake, they do right up top there. They do this montage, kind of like the Godzilla thing, where they they hammer in that there's been nuclear like, fallout here. Okay, and, that makes sense mm-hmm. now. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Which I when I so when I watched the this Craven version, I actually thought I was getting more of the the new one. I was like, oh, nuclear testing. Mm-hmm. But then like when he lays the timeline out, and that you kind of don't really. I was like, oh, I guess that's not part of this movie. Right. And I was like, well, that makes actually makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. as far as the timeline of this movie goes. Um, but I do want to shout out because the director of that uh, the 2006 remake, Alexander Aha A J A. Um, was also the director of Piranhas. Oh man, uh, the third, no, the second catalog. one, I think, or the third one, Piranha, Piranha 3D. Well, That's what now it was. you're making me change my mind. I feel like <laughs> I have to add those. To it, the apparently, it's... the remake, the Hills of Eyes remake, is very, is, is like pretty straight down the line, exactly the same story. It's as almost the first, like shot for shot, the vi- same, more violent. They, they but I lean loved into the... Piranha 3D, so yeah. I was like, I would, I would cut this movie some slack because I did love, like, the Piranha 3D was. My chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, For lots of reasons. The 2006 one, they definitely lean a lot. I mean, it also, you know, upgrades in budget and, like, you know, special effects to do blood and everything. Uh, Yeah, they lean into the gore a lot more. And the, uh, yeah, the the, the rape scene in it is also maybe a little bit more drawn out and a little bit too gratuitous and stuff. Um, It's, but it's, Ted Levine's in there. And it's like, that's also kind of like one of the main selling points for the, the remake. I watch, I love him. And like, but it was just my my earliest possible reference point for the whole yeah. idea of the Hills of Eyes was that movie. Yeah, because that um, came out when we were teenagers. I yeah, two thousand six. So yeah. I've been thirteen. Yeah. Which of course, like, yeah, I remember Peak. trailers being like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's super scary. Yeah, it's a pretty scary. It's a pretty yeah, like I said, graphic. And I was scary a weenie movie. as a teenager, right? Uh, but they hit. I think they hit on yeah, like the nuclear fallout affecting the family of of right. cannibals a lot more. Um, which I think goes into the yeah, like so the original premise for this, this idea, this story that uh that Wes Craven uncovered is this legend of Sonny Bean. Um, it's a Scottish tale of anthropophagic horror. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. So the the legend goes, according to like this uh, this tabloid, it was uh, the Newgate Calendar um, for, that was written in England during the 18th and 19th centuries. Uh, there was a character by the name of Alexander Bean, uh, born in East Lothian, so in Scotland in the 16th century, so during the late the mid 1500s. Um, his father was a ditch digger and a hedge trimmer, and Alexander Bean tried to take up uh, the family trade, um, but he was just kind of all around of a failure. It wasn't really cutting it out as a as the son of a ditch digger. Uh, so he, he quickly decides to go abscond off and kind of make his own way. He runs away from home, um, but not before hooking up with a, uh, a woman of ill repute who was rumored to be uh, suspected of witchcraft uh, named uh, Black Ag- Agnes Douglas. Uh, so uh, Black Agnes and uh, Sonny Bean fart off to the wilderness of the Scottish countryside. <laughs> Sorry. Bean fart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad uh, you guys laughed. <laughs> 
<laughs> you've completely you're derailed like, the conversation. You're like, hold on, I know this is serious. I just want to derail this for a second. Yeah. Give it a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Black Agnes and Saudi Bean, uh, they fart off to the. <laughs> You can't say it anymore. <laughs> to the Scottish countryside. I wrote it as that. I don't know why I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, they, they start traveling in the countryside, robbing and killing travelers, uh, and eventually they cannibalize one of their victims. Uh, so they go and seek shelter and a place to hide themselves from the law in the... Um, uh, in the caves of Benin Head, which is on the coast of Scotland. Uh, they find this one particular cave where during high tide, waters would rise up uh, as much as 100 meters and essentially close the entrance to the cave so that people wouldn't be able to locate them. Um, and they could hide there, come out at low tide, commit their acts of murder, and then come back to the house or to the cave. Um, so in short time, uh, the Agnes and Alexander Bean, they uh, have 14 children. They have six sons and eight daughters. Um, as the horde grows, they start gro- going out and attacking packs of like bands of travelers instead of individuals. Uh, and over the course of 25 years, uh, they grow from having the two of them and the 14 children to having 32 grandchildren, um, oh all born out of incest over the course of the uh, next 25 years. So the horde uh, grows from two to 18 to 48 almost. Uh, so at this point they have what is essentially a small army roving the, like the, the wilderness and the countryside of Scotland. Uh, um, they would ambush and stalk. Yeah. Like I said, toll wagon trains of people traveling from town to town. Um, and, in order to feed everybody, they would, you know, instead of, and leave no evidence, um, they would drag the bodies of their victims back to the cave and dismember them and pickle and salt their That their is terrifyingly efficient. Right? Someone it's, did uh, the math on that. Exactly. It's a, yeah, it's, 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 it's out of necessity, it almost seems like, uh, both to uh, stay hidden and to stay alive. Uh, yeah. So the the clan of Sonnybean is said to have murdered uh, thousands of travelers in this 25-year period during the 1500s. Uh, they would toss the body parts into the sea around the caves, uh, and the body parts would then wash up on the coast of Scotland, and people would wonder if this was some kind of wild animal or something, you know, murdering and dismembering all of these human beings and travelers that were, that were wandering around. Um, so the local authorities suspect the innkeepers uh, in various towns of Scotland of committing some of these murders as either a network or an individual, um, because the last place that most of the travelers were seen would be the inns um, before they attempted to travel to their next destination and get ambushed by the, the Bean clan. Um, so in that time, there was like a, a big witch hunt and a few more than a couple of innkeepers were prosecuted and hanged. Uh, I just want to go on record. Black Agnes and Sonny Bean together they'd be black beans <laughs> i just thought of that for the record black beans so <laughs> let's have let's just take a moment here no, real quick. Stop. <laughs> um, i'm this, gonna be thinking of bean punch for the rest <laughs> of the day um so but uh ultimately uh one evening there was a couple traveling back from a like a country fair um it was this former uh royal infantryman and his wife uh they're trying to make their way back to, back home and they get ambushed by a small pack of the of the Bean Clan. Uh, they come out uh, and immediately beans. rip the uh, the woman from her horse and start dismembering her on the spot. Dismembered beans. Oh wait, uh, dismembered beans. <laughs> well, that's not actually. Uh, but the uh, but the the man is able to fight off or hold off uh, the the members of the clan for long enough for a another pack of travelers who were coming from the same fair to show up and assist them, and they're able for the first time to fend off um, this small group of the Sani. 
being horrid. Um, so the Bean Clan retreats back to the cave, and the survivor, the surviving husband, goes to the uh, local magistrate in Glasgow uh, and starts telling these stories of the, this uh, this crazy cannibal horde out in the the, the countryside. Uh, the magistrate is so incensed that he goes to. Um, uh, Sorry. Uh, he goes to talk to uh, King James VI uh, of Scotland, who immediately raises like a small army of about 400 infantrymen with bloodhounds and everything. And they start combing the, the countryside uh, and the wilderness in Scotland for the, the Bean Clan. Um, eventually, they, they, come upon the, they come upon the Benin Caves, uh, where they find uh, the hounds catch the scent of rotting flesh. And they're able to uncover the, the formerly hidden cave entrance there. Uh, and they immediately arrest and, and take prisoner every single member of the Bean Clan and, and haul them back to Glasgow. Um, and so it's at this point that uh, the, uh, the this particularly gruesome manner in which the Bean family is treated uh, once they're actually captured is kind of where Craven is said to, he says he kind of is drawing inspiration for the Hill Sav Eyes. Because once they get back to Glasgow, uh, all of the men of the Bean clan um, are tortured in really, really gruesome ways where they're having, similar like, to their crimes, they're having pieces of their body cut off like while they're still alive. They're getting flayed, drawn and quartered uh, before being burned alive. Um, every member, every woman in the Bean clan is also either hanged or burned alive as, at the stake. Uh, and even like one of the there's a story of like one of the little babies who was like an infant at the time is raised up but then um, in, in a sort of a, a spin-off of the extended universe of this story she supposedly develops a taste for human flesh the at the beaniverse. age of 12 yeah she the universe yeah <laughs> and uh, so she she ends up getting uh, uh, executed whenever she like basically becomes a teenager because she supposedly also got a taste for for eating people so no one from that bloodline was able to survive then allegedly okay. yeah this all being said uh this is it's true-ish crime in the mm-hmm. sense that it is a, a legend that was written supposedly two centuries after the events of the it's the got whole myth big tall tale vibes yeah and then also big english propaganda vibes right. talking about the scottish and framing uh not only the the scottish people but like the the governments and uh you know laws of scotland who weren't able to uncover don't a, go to a murderous horde. yeah they're all murderous <laughs> incestuous uh, cannibals governed by a bunch of depraved lunatics yeah so that's 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 the general premise for the idea of uh, what inspires uh, a lot of the the plot of the hills have eyes uh, getting into it but man I, I, was, I was reading that i was like that would be a fucking amazing movie. An expensive one to shoot, maybe in Scotland or something. A twenty four. We have I'd your next movie. Yeah. We got your first thirty pages film. right here, baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all that being said, uh, whether it is English propaganda or not, uh, it's a really fascinating story that uh, does set up kind of the premise um, of this movie because, as we talked about, one of the main themes that I think Craven is trying to get at here, um, he's he's sort of trying to identify this duality of man uh, by showing what are presented as savage or you know feral people um in a foil against this supposedly you know well-mannered and polite society family uh who quickly descend into violence whenever they yeah it's very straw dogs yeah or yeah um (laughs) or kind of like we talked about in a bodies shout out uh, thank you maybe even a little lord of the flies too yeah Uh, yeah yeah I don't honestly know. He's Scottish or is he English? I thought he was Scottish. 
I always just assume they're Scottish because there's so many actors that are Scottish that play uh, like English characters. I don't know. If anyone we're, listens, we're gonna get stuck cares, in the weeds on Please this. <laughs> let us know. Question mark. Uh, but yeah, so that the idea is there's there's lots of like underlying themes of the hills have eyes. Uh, but yeah, the the duality of man, I guess, is supposed to be kind of like one of the main ones. Um, and that's that's another thing. Was like I don't know. Does, does the the Carter family seem like they're presented as being particularly waspy, like? In the setup for the original, I don't know if it's as clear. I was, I think, in the remake, they kind of hit this a little harder, like really showing them to be like, what, like rich white people from the suburbs kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, well, because like whenever, whenever we're first introduced the to the Carter family, they're on their way to a trip to California. Yeah. So they're very laid back, very chill, except for the mother and father that are just slightly bit annoyed at each other because they're just trying to like make this trip um i guess i guess in their own way like perfect yeah and uh yeah so but yeah you don't get the sense that they're that they're prissy in any way they're just very much like all right hey like we're all together we have our baby with us like we have the whole family like we're good we're just going to california it's a giant family what uh (laughs) if you had to guess too many people for a road trip for the 70s like what uh what class do you think they would be like do you think they're like kind of upper class i think they're presented as being upper middle class I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think okay. that's the idea. I just have no context because '70s. I'm like, I right. don't know. You're looks like, like everybody could afford everything back then. So uh, yeah. Also, like, <laughs> that I have no experience owning things, so every time yeah, someone right. owns anything, I'm like, wow, that must be nice. A fucking camper? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And they right. got a station wagon. Uh, yeah. Uh, they are. I guess. Uh, anyway, sorry. I was just thinking of. Um, I was thinking of when the dad's like describing his career as a police officer. Yeah. Because uh, that's a very like uh, blue blue collar or white collar not white collar but it it's seems like, like a, he has like blue collar like a working man's yeah job, he, sort of but that's the other thing is I think he's presented as so Big Bob right Big Bob Carter Big Bob uh, he also named his kid Bobby too so it's like who looks like a grown adult let's call yeah. it what it is I mean we can talk about this entire so. cast here because like yeah. so we got Big Bob right um, <laughs> Big Bob Carter played by Russ Greve uh, we've got Ethel uh, his wife um we've got the kids so we have brenda bobby and then lynn who are the 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 children right and then lynn's husband doug that fucking mustache uh the fucking haircut yeah Yeah, he's got a helmet on it's it's amazing i i don't know big doug energy i feel like i've (laughs) seen somebody with that like stash and haircut these days like walking around he looks like uh what's the guy from big bang theory the uh uh i know you're thinking of yeah or a coconut head from uh, yeah yeah from SD classified. <laughs> Thank you. Those are, those are, I don't remember real where deep that from. cut there. Uh, and then uh, Katie, yeah, which is the baby. Yeah. So it's it's the six or eight, seven of them on what is that? I can't do math. One, two, three, four, five, six. six right? Yeah. yeah. There were like three ladies, three dudes, and the baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the dog Beauty. And Beauty the dog and beast. the beast. And yeah. yeah, so we have yeah. Beauty and the Beast. These yeah. dogs, man. We were talking before this about the dog from Prey winning an, should win an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. The... <gasps> yes, I, I heard. I heard that, a that dog was like, yes, a rescue, Coco. a rescue dog. I'm like, damn, I love that dog. Hashtag Coco for president. For yeah, me. I will die for Coco. <laughs> yeah, like for sure. <laughs> She's such a good girl. Um, I mean, they do present pretty waspy. Like, the oh, yeah. mo- literally, like Anglo-Saxon Protestant mm-hmm. is the ASP part of that, mm-hmm. and she literally is like. You know, let's pray before we do things. Yeah, almost in a like, caricature. Like, yeah, they're, they're it, it exaggerated like a, versions. Yeah, it of felt themselves. like a stereotype of yeah. like a wasp 
like suburban mom. Yeah, you have her. like the like the like she's the like blissfully when they say bad words. Yeah, she's like the blissfully religious like you know mother, and then like you have the dad who's like no nonsense. I can handle every situation. I was a cop. Uh, also, like, kind of racist. Like, did you? Yeah, it took well, you, I didn't, wasn't sure we were gonna go down that road. Yeah, but. he goes. Well, yeah, and it's because I think you know he drops it, a hard R. At yeah, one point. he drops a hard R, and then also like you can just yeah he. He, that's his his laundry list of uh, the people that he had to deal with in Cleveland, Ohio, right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, he sets himself up like, oh, I'm a badass. I was a cop for yeah. dozens of years, and I survived getting shot at by – and then names like a bunch of things, yeah. one of them being a hard – the hard N-word. Yeah. I was like, that's – well, and then nothing, says, script, you're a, nothing also, says you're a cop from the 70s more than that moment right yeah, there. For Cleveland, Ohio, yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, yeah, they actually hit this even, I feel like it's a little bit even more exaggerated in the 2006 version. They have, like, the Doug character being much more of, like... He's like an asshole, right? He, he's, like, he's like the, oh, like, the like the green, like, Democrat kind of thing in the 2006 version. Oh. And so they're they're trying to set that, like, little conflict up. Uh, in this one, it's less, I don't know, less clear. It's just kind of, like, the whole family. Um, I kind of like just... it better where it's not... They're not like politically opposed. They're yeah, just, it's just a bro- like a son-in-law. Son-in-laws yeah. and father-in-laws have a weird relationship. He seems they seem to have a pretty good vibe in this movie, though. Yeah, between them all, like, and mm-hmm. the fact that like Linda is or uh, Brenda is played by a character who is like a year older than Lynn, but is supposed to be playing like a teenager. Yeah, is also kind of funny. They... But the the two teens look like. There. I thought like, like, he wears an Ohio State teenagers? shirt. Yeah, they're supposed to be like the teenage kids. I thought and they then... were college kids because he wears an Ohio State shirt. Oh, okay, maybe and they're so like, I was like, okay, yeah. I guess I could see like twenty. Yeah, because I I was but, yeah that I had in... the same feeling. I'm like, no, honey, you're 32 <laughs> at the most. Yeah, like, she the was, way he does back handsprings, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, god yeah, that, I forgot about the back that that scene alone. I was like watching. Oh, sorry, I was watching. I got too excited talking about the back handsprings. So I was like watching videos of, uh, of yeah, the Hills Have Eyes on YouTube and just seeing like what people liked about the film. And there was just like this one scene that someone like just uh, very quickly picked apart. And it was that scene yeah. where like they're just they're just walking. They're just walking. And then the one dude just like does this random. I'm going to do a flip. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, why did we decide to keep that in the film? But I guess because I noticed that the second time. He executes it so perfectly. It's a pretty too. good yeah. backhand. It was pretty solid. It's just yeah. that that character is so fucking annoying. Robert Houston as Bobby Carter is like one of the poutiest, most annoying. I, like, know. I don't know. He, it was he's it's just like uh, he goes so fast. He like whiplashes between uh, emotions in the movie for yeah. me that I was like, man, you are still processing your mother's death. And now we're like, okay, time to kill some bitches. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Or even processing the death of the dog. That was the first one. That's yeah. kind of like the other inciting incident. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, when beauty runs off and he goes and chases her and she dies because there's two there's two big ones it's the the car wreck which was right. kind of in in the remake they have like the nuclear family throw out tire spikes where you're like, like a right, jeepers cool. creepers movie. yeah kind of thing and this one is just a fucking rabbit and like poor like driving yeah um they get they get startled by the air force plane flying over and then they yeah. careen off into the, Which, the ditch or something have you ever experienced like you've been like driving you do like long road trips or anything and you get to a point where they're like they warn you they're like oh the the next gas station is not for a while so you yeah. better load up like have you ever done have you ever had that experience yeah. that's a I, that drive from here to flagstaff is is that okay. drive for me what about you Okay, so I get that we're talking about that it was the rabbit's fault, and it was uh, 
it was like the, yeah. the plane the over overhead. them. Yes. Yeah. But I do want to mention that it was also in part to the mom having that big ass uh, oh, the fucking map. map. Yeah, it goes yeah. This is a 70s that, problem. Like, she just let go of it and it just flew into Big Bob's face. Yeah. <laughs> that, also, that also just added to it. Exactly. It's like that fear that like uh, there's still parts of America that like there are no gas stations for hundreds oh, yeah. of miles. Yeah. And hey, like, you forget what how big this fucking there? country is when you drive out. Like you make yeah. those long drives. Apparently in Australia, like... the center of it, they just like don't do it They're like just do not drive through australia yeah They're like we don't do we don't put people in the center of that country there's nothing there yeah because it's you just get out to like you said a certain point and you're like there's, yeah. there's nothing for miles which we was did actually that in uh, wyoming i had an experience like that yeah. we were low on gas and i was like oh yeah. we should turn back and go get gas because that's a scary like in the premise for this movie the idea that you're stranded in the middle of nowhere with right. nothing in any direction except for a shitty gas station run by fred yeah and, like, and this is pre-cell phones yeah. like you're real f yeah you're actually fucked and like because yeah he talks about like when when Big Bob goes to make the walk back to the gas station, it's like fifteen miles, and you're yeah. like, God damn, that is a that's a hike. Like, and you're not you're barely getting anywhere, like, yeah, and, uh, and you're still in the middle of nowhere. Um, that is one of the unsettling things about this. That and like the fact that it is such a bright movie, most that, of it being shot in daytime. Which is those are like two of my biggest, I think, like things that attracted me to it mm-hmm. that I enjoyed the most is that fear. Uh, of right like being like shut like stranded in the middle of nowhere yeah. and dealing with that kind of stuff because like you just don't know that and then there's kind of it's kind of set up at night too is like the the idea that uh city folk have this problem I, myself included i'm not just like calling everyone city folk, <laughs> you um, are city folk. but when i go camping i do the first couple nights i struggle because i'm like what what's out there yeah like, you don't know what's out in the woods anything could be there um, and so it's that I like the idea, like in a desert too, the horizon is just so expansive. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you could see for miles, but it, there's still something could happen. Yeah, it's like that agoraphobic. Like, yeah, endless, agoraphobia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that bizarre. I never understood agoraphobia, like um, just on paper, but having lived, you know, like you live, you're used to walls around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you go somewhere where there isn't, you're like, the space is unbounded. I don't know what's out here. Yeah. And that unknown scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah, it's real creepy. The uh, so like the the brightness of this too, like the, it being shot on sixteen millimeter. Did you watch? Did, uh, so I watched this on Tubi. Uh, shout out, which I, also I love Tubi because Tubi has become like the shitty video store rental like streaming service. They have so much random shit it's, on there, but it's great. Yeah, that's where you find movies like The Hills Have Eyes from nineteen seventy seven. I rented it off uh, iTunes actually. Off iTunes. How was the quality on your? your itunes watch uh, i really liked it i didn't it have any major notes yeah the, the, it's pretty grainy on the stun to be streaming uh um, i mean i think that's just the, it was just grainy the, i just think it was just, yeah it's just a grainy movie uh the edit also on tv i think is like a little weird that like the the audio dub like loops in like a couple of moments uh oh. where there's like 15 seconds of audio that like doubles or whatever yeah uh i was like oh this is nice little artifacts on uh on the streaming service um yeah it's it's shot on 16 millimeter with that borrowed uh porn cameras and stuff uh out in the middle of the desert this was like one of the like we talk about being an exploitation film this is one of the most intense like shoots i think similar to texas chainsaw massacre um they're all out in the mojave desert it's getting up over 100 degrees during the daytime gets below 40 at night yeah and Um, they're like running so cheap that they're doing their own makeup mm -hmm. and like it's messy. Yeah, I, I read that Michael Berryman, who plays Pluto, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, that any time that they had to shoot in the sun, which would go over like 106 degrees, like as soon as they would 
finish like his uh yeah his shoots they would automatically have to like cover him oh because yeah he has like he has a lot of conditions mm-hmm. but one was something about like his sweat glands and they were like we need to protect you yeah like, he can't sweat yeah uh so if it was he was particularly at risk when shooting those six day weeks over 100 you know six months of filming yeah and over 100 degree weather um and yeah he has what is it hypo uh hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia uh, Michael Berryman, he's the kind of the face, like he's the poster of this movie. Yeah. He gets cast as Pluto. Uh, the most, yeah, we talked about how like in the remake, they're way bigger on like the nuclear fallout sort of deforming and like affecting the genetics of the people. Yeah. Um, his actual genetic condition and his acting ability as well is, is what gets him, you know, the the part to play Pluto because um, he just has this a very unique, you know, set of features and everything that results from the um, like 24 uh, genetic differences that he has. Um, but yeah, he he was super duper at risk uh, filming out in the desert. Um, also, that's just miserable. Those yeah. are like 14, 16 hour days. I can I can barely do a regular eight hour day inside mm. when it's hundred six <laughs> outside. Yeah, it's fucking miserable. People were just built different back then. I guess. Yeah, they're all Definitely. riding out there in like little Winnebagos and stuff. Yeah. And like the crew was like, none of them really liked it at first, and they all had kind of came around after a lot of enthusiasm huh. from Wes Craven because people were Wes Craven's just like so in love with this movie idea. He's like, yeah. I, eventually people start like, yeah, uh, you know what? You care? I we're care. doing something here. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like a story of like the the rattlesnake that was on the set. Uh, so that one scene right at the very end, right where. Um, uh doug and mars are fighting and uh ruby runs off and grabs the rattlesnake and that's how they they dispense with mars i guess they brought a snake handler on to like you know get the rattlesnake out and he opened up the the crate for the snake and it immediately like darted off into the rocks (laughs) and so everybody was like fuck and they all just like ran off and like michael berryman tells the story about because he wasn't in that scene so he was like at the trailer and he's like yeah i was looking over and i saw all of them running away from the rocks and i figured i should probably run too <laughs> and they eventually like found it and wrangled it without issue or anything but it's just like well on the, the laundry list of like shitty things to happen on the set that is a very, very classic low budget like, movie yeah, yeah it's like such a classic low budget horror movie thing to happen like of course the the snake got out and yeah. just dipped just went into the freaking rocks and now there's a poisonous snake somewhere yeah something, something, something crazy like that sunday scaries um but the quick bullet points for like the events of the movie right we go out uh the the so the car wrecks everything breaks down um big bob decides that he's gonna go try to get back to the gas station uh that they initially gassed up at where fred was located um fred has told them the story right? he goes back and like he hears the story from Fred about the origin story of uh, Jupiter and the other, the rest of the family. Papa Jupe. Um, Papa Jupe. And uh, Doug goes off to the north, finds, I guess, like all of the Air Force Base, like wreckage and shit. Um, Beauty, the dog, runs off and Bobby chases her. And this is where we get that, the first murder. Um, this is also apparently like, they, it was a real dog carcass for that scene. Whenever uh, Beauty is ma- uh, murdered by... Um, I think Mercury or Mars or something. Yeah. Uh, Wes Craven never talks. Like they bought a dog carcass, but he doesn't talk about who. Yeah, they I don't think you can legally do that. Yeah. Yeah, like online. Cause Where are on, you going with this? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Because <laughs> I also, I also wanted to know, like, if there were any like animals harmed. Right. Because I mean, there's a few. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that they bought the carcass, but 
a few websites say that like they bought it from the local sheriff's department and i'm like okay well how did it how did, how did the it get sheriff's there department, <laughs> yeah, how do they have like, a dog just, yeah waiting. and one that like like fits very nicely with beauty yeah. like looking like beauty I'm looking but for a german shepherd it's like hey, we i'll got get you it. a german shepherd like, we got in we dead can. or alive <laughs> dead preferably i wonder too like he can't talk about it still because it would be like kind of implicating himself in a crime. Or he yeah. couldn't talk about well, it. It'd be like he can't talk about it now. No, yeah, but it would be team. implicating <laughs> him in a crime. Like yeah, he, like his producer was like, "Don't, don't say anything." There's actually you can say something happened, but you cannot say. It's like surprise how. guess. It's Wes Craven, and he's like, "Guys, it wouldn't let, be. Let the, me tell you, it wouldn't be <laughs> the only crime that they committed on the set for this." So, oh, um, for sure. Sure. So that being said, uh, Bobby goes off to chase Beauty. Finds Beauty dead, is traumatized by it, comes back to the Winnebago. Um, and in in the course of all of this, yeah, Big Bob has gone and had his interaction with Fred, uh, who this this scene is the one that like I think is supposed to be the most jarring, right? Where Fred is kind of delivering the backstory of, of the murder tribe and stuff uh, in his gas station. And then all of a sudden, Jupiter comes bash, like crashing through the window and just rips him straight out through the window in a very like this. This is, I think, one of the most Craven-esque like shots of the movie because it reminds me so much of like Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Whenever he comes out of the the uh, door, yeah. yeah, or like even at the end of it, right where he like bursts through the window of the door. There's, I mean, there's so there's so, <laughs> there's so many like yeah. there's also like the infamous scene and in, yeah, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where, if I'm not mistaken, he comes out of the TV screen yeah. to grab that girl and mm-hmm. just like smashes her like her whole in like exterior into the screen. I'm yeah, like, oh, it's yes. wild. That or the the blood blender tornado. I think that was my my oh, yeah. my favorite iconic Craven shot. Craven doesn't believe in the power of glass windows. No. <laughs> there 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 could be a whole episode that you guys do just alone on like Nightmare on Elm Street deaths. Oh yeah. Like oh, that yeah. could be oh, a yeah. whole episode. We'll get we'll get to it eventually, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um we just can't get all the bangers out in the first series. We've got to save them for later. Uh, but yeah, the so after Fred gets murdered by Jupiter, that's when we get the face off between Big Bob and Jupiter, uh, and Jupiter summarily like, captures and and uh, crucifies Big Bob. Oof, the scene. Yeah, yeah. This was the most. I guess this is like I don't know. Of of all the deaths in the movie, this one's probably one of the well, more. Well, he's technically explicit. not dead. Yeah, no, he gets crucified him. first. And then he, they, I guess, drag him off to be used as a distraction yeah. uh, for them to kind of do their their whole kidnapping murder thing. Um, yeah, this is the next illegal thing that they did for this movie. So the script calls for uh, Bob to be crucified and like nailed to a tree, right? There's no trees in the desert, uh, and so they're looking around, and Peter Locke is like, "Hey." All right, we've checked. Nobody's looking. And so, like, at night, really quickly, they nail him to a Joshua tree, which, oh, yeah. Super illegal. Yeah. So if you don't know, Joshua trees are protected. Uh, you're, I didn't You're not know supposed that. to uh, murder them. But, yeah, and in the middle of the night, they set the Joshua tree on fire. What? Yeah. And, oh, my uh, God. To get, to get the shots for uh, for the, the murder of Big Bob. I love that, too, that, like, I'm more shocked by that than the dog carcass <laughs> thing. Yeah. How dare they of, touch a us, Joshua all tree? Us, all of us are okay with the dog. We're like, well, we don't really know where it came from. It's yeah, fine. We, but the know, tree. Maybe the, the dog tree. was dead. 
yeah. who knows? No one yeah, can explain the, it, but the tree how dare really he? does shock me. Yeah, the tree yeah. was actually burned, and yeah, so they, they burned a Joshua tree. And for the that history too. of sleazy horror producers started <laughs> with the death of a it. Joshua tree um, in the Mojave Desert. Yeah, uh, did I say Sean? I meant P- I, Sean Locke is a comedian. Peter Locke. Peter Locke. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, Peter Locke also who plays uh, Mercury. He's the first uh, member of the family to get killed. He's the the one who does the inflected voice, right? Just questionable. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that murder happens, and then that's when uh, Pluto and Mars ambush the trailer. Uh, right. And- so like all the kids, most of the family's out like inspecting, mm-hmm. trying to save their dad who's burning alive. Yeah, that was a really while gruesome. he's crucified. Yeah, that's him a yelling Ethel's name. He's like, put it out, put it out, and I was like, this is a pretty jarring. Like it's. Yeah. The distance between the '70s and now, you know, there's that level of camp in between us and like this style yeah. of filmmaking, which kind of disarms it. But like even this with like without that, like yeah. yeah, it it still is a pretty unsettling scene. Well, it's just an unsettling like 10, 10 15 minutes. Like, yeah, it's like the middle section. of This movie probably got either like rejected from countries for or mm-hmm. just full out like that's the thing people remember yeah it got rejected i mean it got classified as a video nasty in the uk and stuff and originally before it was edited down it had an x rating um before they cut right some stuff out, so basically while the family rating. most of the family is out dealing with that the teenage girl is stays in the trailer mm-hmm. um and that's when uh no mercury uh so if, if first it's mars. pluto breaks mars. in and he starts messing with stuff. mars and pluto that's yeah right. and then mars is like supposed to be yeah the most violent member like of the children right and he goes in and and assaults her uh he, a, he definitely rapes her yeah it's, it's a whole clear. thing and they uh the on a on a trivial like lighter note i guess when berryman is doing his interaction with her uh they talked about how uh, yeah so susan lanier and uh michael berryman at, were like talking about how to kind of like lower the tension on the set for yeah. that scene and stuff and so whenever craven like they announced they like do sound and did cut they were just actually having they like started making out as if it was like a really passionate love scene um and got everybody laughing to kind of like take the edge off oh yeah i was like good for you guys um susan lanier also by the way is a dallasite oh no way yeah, she's uh yeah, yeah, she was born here um we gotta find out what neighborhood she's from yeah right this a bit it was in 19 she was born in 1947 so wonder where what neighborhoods are around and she might have been from over in like dallas was just getting started yeah the settlers little, were on their way little baby dallas <laughs> yeah the settlers uh baby dallas <laughs> yeah, definitely baby dallas. tiny little dallas uh little d uh that's dallas <laughs> um so we get the, uh, the the murder scene, and then uh, Pluto and Mars abscond with uh, little baby Katie after shooting Ethel in the stomach and shooting uh, Lynn, uh, Katie's mom, uh, like to death. She dies pretty quickly. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, it's a rough scene. It's a lot of like a lot of stuff happening at the same it's time. It's kind of wild because the first thirty-ish minutes is like a lot of setup, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of tension, and then that middle fifteen. Um, basically from when they light the dad on fire to when they leave with yeah. the baby is like an unloading of so much raw trauma and yeah. violence that like it like kind of justifies a lot of the rest like both sides of the movie they're like it waxes and wanes but that centerpiece is so heavy on it you just yeah. like whoa <laughs> yeah because there's some other like i mean the action i guess for the rest of the movie is still like up there like we can't we got to talk about the fucking the the macaulay culkin-esque booby trap that they set for jupiter oh yeah um whenever that so ethel dies and i think this is like sort of the first she's like shot but then she keeps living yeah they, like, she survives for like till yeah. the next morning basically yeah i think yeah it's it's one of those things where i was like trying to figure out a way like 
okay, I could have sworn that she was going to end up dying because she was shot. Yeah. But then then she is she the one that's laughing like maniacally like as she's asking about Bob or am I am I mistaken? Because one of them was just laughing hysterically. No, she was. Yeah. Right. When he dies, because she can't process. That's not my Bob. That's not my. Right. Which made me think it was the gas station owner. I was like, what a bait and switch. But yeah, I was wrong. No, it was just it was just her. It was able to cope with (laughs) with the trauma. Um, Yeah. But then also the fact that like so this idea of like having the family structure unravel, they use her as bait. Right. To go. Well, first (laughs) two. So plot wise, they realize that the that they've run off with the baby. Right. So it's like, okay, there's a mission here. We got to go rescue the Mm -hmm. baby. But they don't know how. They don't have weapon. Like they, they have a gun, but they just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of like stake out the night, take care of their mom who's slowly dying mm-hmm. from a gunshot wound. And they just put blankets on her. Um, They're like, that'll do. That'll, that'll, that'll do. do. That'll the do, pig. I can, do. I can imagine like blood just keeps going, and they're like, "Did you put a blanket on her?" Like, yeah. put put more blankets. More blankets. On her. We need more blankets. More blankets. <laughs> just start like just throwing one more coats on her and <laughs> it's, stuff. It's okay. I think this will heal. It's like blood gushing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I guess yeah, Doug is the one who for who goes off to try to find uh, find Katie. Um, or yeah. find where they're hidden and stuff. I guess throughout this, we haven't mentioned like Ruby at all. I forgot to like talk about the uh, right. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where it all comes together. Yeah, it's, it starts and ends with her because it starts with yeah. her trying to escape and then uh, kind of ends with her. She's the daughter. Uh, she's the only daughter. Uh, yeah, she's the only daughter of the um, of the cannibals, mm-hmm. and she kind of like. She's abused. Her parents like chain her up outside their cave. Yeah, so wild they're mad at her for like seemingly siding with like the. the other yeah, she expresses sympath- like remorse for the for family. Them. They yeah. make her eat the dog when she's yeah. like feeling sympathy for it. They say, "What is dog too good for you? Or yeah. not good enough for you, or something?" <laughs> yeah, too good. Yeah. Um, so clearly, they just don't. She just doesn't fit in with her family. Yeah. Um, and that kind of like prompts us into the la- the final bit yeah and uh, so they're back at the campfire with that whole scene where uh jupiter is like gnawing on a on a leg like it's yeah. supposed to be like the leg of a human being or whatever it's like big bob's leg right yeah because he's talking he... to his head yeah i think that's the idea they got like a big lamb hawk for him for uh the actor to munch on uh for that scene which is uh, that it was kind of stomach turning i don't know just the texture off the the top of that lamb leg i was like yeah anything uh... anything dealing with like you know that obviously they're not uh they're not actual cannibals but then (laughs) seeing how gruesome it looks yeah because you're already in the mindset of like oh this is happening like yeah no it's uh it's pretty fucking disgusting that's for sure i think i also just have a thing with people eating in movies like i i get uh, super annoyed whenever there's an apple in any movie like if i never see another apple in another movie again i'll be happy but uh, i'm only going to make movies with apples yeah right if you put an apple in your fucking script next time i read one i'm gonna be so pissed you think i won't this is gonna get removed immediately fuck that (laughs) shit but yeah and then this one is like the epitome of that where he's just like it's like falling out of his mouth as he's like chewing on it and stuff he's got like sharp teeth yeah yeah they all have like the way that they made them out to kind of be like to look like savage or like feral and stuff 
it's i don't know yeah they're wearing they kind of look like cavemen to me. yeah they look like yeah they have like the pelts that they're wearing which i learned this the same production designer from texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. production designed the hills of eyes mm-hmm. and reused yeah he brought a bunch of shelves yeah. from <laughs> texas chainsaw yeah he was like we'll just keep these and use them for the the cave dressings and stuff what's all this red on it don't yeah. worry about it <laughs> it's like you'll end up using it yeah, yeah. it's fine. it's it's perfectly valuable it's perfectly, been yeah. sanctified by the horror gods yeah seriously uh so then plot-wise, yeah, the uh, then the, the band of cannibals splits up because I guess they're going to finish off the, the family or whatever. Um, but Bobby and Brenda have, have contrived their... Uh, it's time to fight back. Yeah, their, their, their plan against Jupiter. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they set their mom out as bait uh with like a rope like a she looks super dead yeah she looked like a i love whenever the the dummies pop up in this movie and they yeah. just look like there's this scene and then later on whenever somebody's running with the baby and it's like clearly just like a like a doll like a, a hilariously like limp doll um which is fine like i don't know the fact that they even had a baby in this movie like is also crazy to me yeah, yeah who let their baby be in this movie <laughs> like in the in the heat yeah it's not in the credits it's not like it doesn't share a name with anybody so it's like not anybody's kid from like the other characters or something so I'm also like, it's kind of a weird note great baby acting yeah good like, good timing that baby cry, has good like looked precocious when mm-hmm. we needed it to look precocious cried when it was supposed to cry mm-hmm. and, like all this stuff i was like wow they i guess kind of did what they needed they got what they wanted out of that baby right maybe yeah I guess in the original script, uh, the baby was gonna get eaten too. But yeah. then they were like, <laughs> they were like, we can't, we can't, you can't do that, do that we man. Can't kill the baby. That's too. Yeah. It's Who too are much. you, Jonathan yeah. Swift? <laughs> it's like, do we eat it? Do we perform a like a a sacrifice, or do we let yeah. it live? Like, which one? We <laughs> well, only have three choices. My thought, it. I thought the movie ended badly. I thought all the family dies, and they just get the baby and raise it as a part of their like clan. For some reason, my brain—I don't know why—I mm-hmm. just that was my like first instinct was I like, oh, they the all die and the baby's gonna the, join like, the club, yeah. right? Yeah, but instead but they of... call it a tenderloin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I guess yeah, in that that famous quote too, it's like fat, juicy, you fat or baby fat or something. Like, yeah, it's a yeah that Mars he calls quote. it. He calls the baby a tenderloin. I was like, hold on to that tenderloin <laughs> for me. <laughs> There's a couple of those. There's a couple of like random one-liners that have this like weird vernacular that you're like, I don't know where you're getting that from. You can just imagine Ruby being like, yes, chef. <laughs> <laughs> tenderloin chef. Tenderloin. Where is my tenderloin? <laughs> <laughs> Who took my onions? These knives are dull. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the, in, the, in the last act of this movie is where we get Jupiter getting wrangled by that. Yeah, they, they hook up the, like, that big rope to the the yeah. axle of the broken down car managed to like drag him using the transmission of the car back like underneath the the trailer essentially yeah. and then set off like a propane bomb and explode jupiter and it's a that's a good explosion they had one trailer they had one chance to like I fucking know. blow that thing up they like, knocked it out of the park yeah. though it's a good it's a good explosion i would give it seven out of ten yeah, and and uh, Doug, who's like trying to find his, uh, trying to save his kid, is facing off with. Um, uh, it's not Jup. It's not Jupiter. He's he's fighting Mars. He fights Mars. Mars yeah, because Pluto has been taken Sorry. care of. By- Mercury is dead. I get Mercury and Mars yeah. confused. Mercury, Mercury is the one played by Peter Locke. Who, who 
is the first kill, and it doesn't even go to a human. No, it goes to the beast. The beast. Yeah, the beast is out there trying to avenge his sister. He knocks Mercury off the top of the cliff or the hillside or whatever. Uh, and then the beast takes out his his uh, second family member. He takes out Pluto. He kills out like the strong one too. Yeah, Pluto's the big guy. Pluto, you would that's Michael assume, Barron. Yeah, he 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 would be the tank. I think in this situation, you would think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they talk about this. Yeah, it was, that's a pretty that looked like a rough scene to shoot too. Getting chewed on, like they had. They said they had the big leather patches and stuff on yeah. his leg and on his neck. Um, but yeah, having that dog's teeth that like, right next to your fucking neck. Um, and then the special effects wise, they shoot that shot of the, the Achilles tendon, uh, that was like cut yeah. bitten in half. That was, yeah, one of the more gruesome gore scenes in this one for me too. Uh, cause that's always been a, a fear of mine. I don't know. Achilles tendon Beginning stuff Achilles. is... I read somewhere that uh, if you if it gets like if you if someone cuts that thing you like it's like something snaps. Yeah, and I heard like that you before just flop too. Like a fish or something. It's I heard like that the like tendon made... that goes that runs the longest throughout your body and keeps you upright yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a fun gruesome. Fact. There's that one. That You're gonna have nightmares. As my <laughs> mouth is just open wide. <laughs> we have a medical professional as a friend. We'll have to text him. Text yeah. Tyler and ask him. I know. Yeah. What Tyler. happens if you were to say slash someone's Achilles tendon? Right. Can you come back from that? Like, how does that? I yeah. feel like that's permanent fucking it's damage, like dude. Texting back. Why yeah. are you asking me this? <laughs> um, it would be like, are you recording the podcast right now? <laughs> no. No. Um, yeah, that was a gruesome death. And so, like, most of the... So, we've got three of the family members dead already. Uh, and then Doug is facing off against Mars at the end of the movie. Right. Uh, and because Mars has had, was running off with the baby, then Ruby has the baby. Uh, that's where we get that funny scene of her jogging with the little baby dummy. Yeah. Uh, and its arms all, like, flopping around. Um, that baby went through it. Yeah. Like, in this it, movie. It had an ordeal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, a whole fucking set of trauma. Um, but then... Doug takes care of Mars, or they get into like a fist fight, and then Ruby comes to the rescue with a rattlesnake and rattlesnake to the back, combined with getting beaten up yeah, by Doug. And then, and then Doug like get, has gets the knife and just starts stabbing, yeah. just going, just stab, 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 gruesomely murders him, stab, stab, and then that's that's the end. That's the end of the movie, which I thought was kind of abrupt. Yeah. I, I actually didn't. I this is my first time seeing it, yeah. Um, and so I was not expecting that like quick uh, fade to red. Like over his like angry face, mm-hmm. I was honestly expecting more of like a they meet back up and like I don't know get someone I don't know something. Apparently happens. that was like the original ending for the movie was like they the surviving members of the family like yeah like get back together at the the Winnebago and stuff and, like, and wait then, like, take off interesting the kid. because the version that I saw mm-hmm. like after he brutally kills him and be uh, and becomes what he most hates mm-hmm. right um, <laughs> yeah it's like them them meeting up with each other the baby's there mm-hmm. like ruby's there like the oh so did you watch a different cut maybe you got a director's cut yeah. yeah and so they meet up and like the yeah like the the sun is like behind them and then one of the girls like looks at ruby and then grabs her hand and that's the last shot is them like holding they hands. accept ruby as one of their mm-hmm. own yeah yeah, because that sets up the sequel where Ruby like has a biker gang and shit. I did read the synopsis yeah. for the second one, and I would watch that. Yeah, I'm sorry, it, I would watch like a it. cool movie. But uh, yeah, where'd you watch your cut from? Uh, YouTube. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, yeah. I was yeah. like, where can I find this movie like on yeah. a Tuesday night? Sure, like this is what I'll do. And it's yeah. not like you're losing that much quality, honestly. Yeah. Watching it on, I mean, yeah. it looked great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was awesome. Like, I've rented a couple so. of movies from like YouTube movies and stuff too, but I, I think it's yeah, it's just free on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the same with like Tubi. Well, it sounds like you got the the more the extended version yeah. off yeah. YouTube. I, I was just chips. like, all right, Apple, like, you owe cool. me. Seriously. Yeah, like YouTube takes it down. They're like, ah, people, people are on to it. I take back my endorsement of Tubi. Yeah, I don't. Well, just kidding. Right. I still love you, Tubi. That's I. Great. That's interesting though that Tubi you got that great. experience. Pluto too. So. Mm-hmm. It's just a wild way. Like I, 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 I realized the ending... at the very end. I, had I not done any reading, I don't think I would have figured out the like main theme was to yeah. bring the suburban white family to the level of these like cannibals. Yeah. But I when the ends on hit the shot of him like aggressively, like definitely like way overstabbing. Yeah. Like, oh, I get it. I would this, call that look at this. <laughs> look at this savage animal. I mean, that could, and like yeah, you said, he becomes what he. That's what enough he hated stabbing, most. like yeah. for sure. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I mean, they deserved it. Maybe you know? like one more stab, though. Yeah. Just like one more. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as bad as the. Uh, have you seen X? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so I yeah, the, the first murder in X, right? Where Pearl <laughs> like she stabs the fuck out of JD, uh, and it's a yeah, it's gratuitous, you know, stabbing. I want well, in a fade to red. You don't see mm-hmm. that in movies. Yeah. Or, or, or you don't see it often in movies. Like freeze on his face and then fade to like a full red screen. Yeah. At the end roll credits i think it's the better ending if you're trying to hammer that theme home uh yeah it like and then with the murder of jupiter too like yeah you know the brenda and bobby pulling that off it was a uh, that one was just fun though that's almost like like i said that needed to happen yeah like jupiter's gotta go yeah did you catch so all of the characters are named after uh like planets or greek uh gods yeah um the scene of jupiter chewing on like the the lamb leg or the human leg or whatever um it's supposed to be a direct homage to uh the painting of cronus consuming his children have you seen this painting by the spanish painting of like ancient greek uh the ancient greek myth degas uh, kind of a weird. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Though? I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Um, I'll yeah, show it's like where he has super yeah, famous. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be an homage to that. You would know it. Yeah. You know it if you saw it. I think. <laughs> and then the characters similarly are supposed to be like, like analogs for. So Jupiter in Greek mythology would be Saturn, though, like Cronus, like the the Titan father of the gods, right? Um, and then Mars being Ares, like the god of war and, and violence. Is and this stuff. one right? Yep that one this image um, <gasps> i love that image yeah i'll post it to social media for That's people to see one. um but uh yeah and then we have pluto which it, it is by f- our artist francisco goya goya okay Ooh. there you go pew pew nice uh and then lastly mercury too and then ruby who doesn't get a greek name she's just she's just ruby That's why they hate her yeah no, uh, like you don't deserve anything yeah. like ours. right but it kind of hammers on, like, you know, Craven being an English and humanities teacher, he's a huge fan of mythology and stuff, yeah. and so he's incorporating that into the movie with the idea of this, like, mythical archetype for uh, a self-consuming, you I know. mean, it does kind of make sense, like, right? Like, the Greek gods are kind of, in a retrospect, very savage and uh, very animalistic. An- yeah, the idea of them being ancient, right? And, yeah. like, uh, from a primordial era where things like this, like, you're when you're reverted back to your most base or feral nature or something. Right. Well, um, I think that was part... Well, okay, this is a huge extrapolation, but anthropologically speaking, big word, but, uh, like, the Greek gods are kind of the embodiment of some of our, like, baser instincts, yeah. but on a spectrum to where, like, they can be both refined and like horribly like just violent yeah um and so it's like seeing it in like both levels which Mm -hmm. 
now that we've said it out loud, makes me that I see parallels between the families, both families now. Yeah. And that uh, that idea of being like Greek gods. I don't know. Maybe a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's kind it of It is stretch, also but just a movie about cannibals. Yeah, and it's also just like, I think it's more just like Easter egg stuff or like yeah. for somebody who was a, a literature nerd. Um, you're, that, if you're writing your film theory paper. Yeah. I just gave you a thesis. You're welcome. Or even like, you know, the more on the nose one, the so the dogs, Beauty and the Beast, right? Right. So like the entire premise of that story is like, you know, a whole host of townspeople turn into like monsters as they go and pursue like this, this beast who actually is benevolent or whatever. And so there's like, yeah, this is loose, like kind of, yeah very shallow sort of allegory there too um yeah overall i mean this is yeah like I, we were kind of talking about up top in the list of west craven movies this one i enjoyed more than i thought i was going to i think i like it more than last house on the left because last house on the left is just a hard one to watch yeah it's um, very uh very brutal yeah. one of the most intense films that i've ever watched yeah. for sure yeah yeah in the, in the catalog of like 70s exploitation films yeah this one's up there but i think like it's inspired by texas chainsaw massacre i think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre does a better job at the things it's trying to do, maybe. But this one is it's fun and just disturbing and exciting to watch as a horror fan. Yeah, yeah. and I liked I liked the idea in the remake of like hammering home like some of the nuclear testing stuff. Yeah, it was like seemed like a way of modernizing it in a way that made sense to me. And I think the idea. But I never saw that movie, so I can't speak to its its quality yeah i think the idea behind that too is to also emphasize the uh the influence of like american exceptionalism on it too the idea of like oh this right. is the consequence of like the darker side of of hegemony and stuff and and all that but right um yeah this movie does pretty well when it comes out uh so do you know the story about like it, it, it does pretty good at the box office you know this thing costs barely five hundred thousand dollars uh it makes like 25 million in 1977 money hell yeah it's fucking crazy what is that like 500 times your <laughs> return on investment at least yeah. yeah so it's making gangbusters but uh it, it does okay in its initial run after like a limited release and then it gets wider releases where it's selling out theaters uh but quickly loses steam because of an, a couple of other hit movies that come out that year do you know what they are in 1977 oh, i read the wikipedia but i don't remember anymore yeah Smokey and the bandit just crushes this one oh yeah burt reynolds, burt reynolds. yeah so that comes out like a little bit after this this is released in july and that comes out a little afterward and it just dominates at the box office uh and puts uh puts the house or the hillside eyes to bed um but yeah this i think i don't know sets the stage for a, a fantastically storied career for west craven um it gets a sequel uh and which is like yeah we were like I said, have we're, you all seen the, uh, okay how, how have you all seen the sequels or the remakes Do i saw the remakes rem- i haven't the seen remake. the sequels yeah i have not yeah i've only i've only seen the original uh so i didn't know the that OG. there was a sequel i knew okay. that there was a remake mm-hmm. right uh yeah <clears throat> but now i kind of want to now I kind of want to go into that end of like, maybe I should watch these as well. Yeah. The remake, I will say like, so I don't know how much was cut from the, 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 the assault scene in this movie, like to make it pal, like not get an X rating or whatever. But right. I, I, I feel like, yeah, the, that they just scene, put it back in, in the remake. Yeah. That scene in the remake is, is just like, it's just way even more like well this is kind of a good rabbit hole to go down because some critics like the classification of the hills of eyes kind Mm -hmm. of gets a lot of different names thrown around it right like Mm -hmm. it's a some said it someone said it was a siege movie um because they're stuck inside the trailer at one point Mm -hmm. um some said it's a slasher for sure Mm -hmm. right they're being hunted Mm -hmm. um and someone is hunted one by one and like they pick them all off um and then someone did say it was like it's a rape revenge movie yeah and so it's kind of a loose thing because the, the the of that story it doesn't really start until halfway through the movie, right? Where 
the inside where the rape happens. Yeah. Um, but it feels like a collective revenge, whereas like the sub niche of rape revenge is like hyper focused on the victim is going to get exact right. their revenge when it's like Bobby and was it Brenda or something? Yeah, Brenda is Bobby a, and yeah. Brenda together enact the plot but it's brenda's plan mm-hmm. so it's just one of those interesting things like how much of a quote rape revenge movie right would it, would it take her having eyes? like more agency in the in the revenge plot itself for it to be because she is kind of just like along for the ride right or like if bobby had died too yeah and it was just douglas and her yeah would it get would she get more cr- i mean i don't know because i mean in the last house on the left i mean that's another thing is like you know the parents carrying out the revenge uh after you know like their daughters is murdered and stuff and so that's like yeah. a weird yeah it's it's dark man. it's a weird uh i don't want to say weird it's an interesting sub niche of like horror films. yeah like it's it's always one you're like i don't I don't want to watch the thing that kicks us off, but yeah. I do want to watch a victim extract vengeance upon like their aggressors. Yeah. It does. You know, there's a primal part of me. That's like, it is kind of nice seeing people get their comeuppance. Yeah. But yeah, that is the difficult inroad into the, into those movies from, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll be covering some actually. There's one coming up, I think in the next series uh, that I'm excited to get to, but we'll talk about that later at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so overall, thoughts on the Hillside Eyes? I, I enjoy it. I like it. Yeah, I, like I, it. I liked it. I wouldn't say that it's like a rape revenge film. Mm, like it's right. the, I don't think it's on the level of Last House on the Left mm-hmm. or even like like I Spit on Your Grave. That's, that's the prototype. That's like the mecca. That's the one. That's yeah. like that's the rape revenge film. Right. Like not that I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Like, you can't gatekeep. Right. right like it doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. <laughs> like, I see what you're yeah. saying. But I feel the same yeah. way. But you know, for for what it is, for it being his second film and wanting to pay, you know, just like you mentioned, in a way like wanting to pay homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre because Craven loved that film mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. So you see, you see a lot, uh, a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, even oh, yeah. even whenever whenever I was like watching it and taking notes, um, when Pluto enters like enters the camper and then he sees Brenda and he's he's about to like sexually assault her uh and then who is it is it Mars mm-hmm. or Mars comes in and then he like shoves him away and he says you wait till you get to be a man yeah which really uh triggered something in my head to ask Wait, is Pluto the youngest just like in Texas Chainsaw Yeah, he's Massacre? like the leather face. Of, yeah, where like, he is like the leather face of like, this family. Yeah. yeah. Like he kind of like is the one um, where his family members are like, you're the one that has to kind of be the bait. Yeah. Like you're the one that has to like go out there and like kind of like che- check it out for us. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh, that's that's like that's another nod to like. Yeah. And there's recurring themes within this one. So we covered uh, Psycho from 1960 uh, the other day, too. Uh, and this idea of, like, yeah, the tormented family out in isolation, right? Yeah. At the Bates Motel, like, Norman Bates being the product of this just, like, severe sort of, like, stunted, you know, interactions with, with humanity and society and stuff. And well, it's, like, is, like, the extreme version double of cursed because the whole family started because the gas station owner just mm-hmm. abandons his, his child in mm-hmm. the desert and, like, thinks, like, oh, he'll just die. Mm-hmm. Um, which does not happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like they're almost like uh, they're like cautionary tales about yeah what happens when when family people are, are isolated out in the middle of nowhere with without any connections. That to was the real my world. No, that was just my my biggest note was mm-hmm. I love about the thing uh, thing I love the most about the movie is that fear of like we just don't know what happens out there. Yeah, because we kind of take for granted, and I love this. Um, there's so much of of the world that we just don't know what happens in there. Yeah. We've never seen we've we haven't seen parts of our own continent before. Like mm-hmm. people haven't traveled the like the American West, um, the Great Plains, like some of that stuff that you know. And an idea, a theory is like just flat and boring, and no one goes there. But you're like, yeah, if no one goes there, what's happening yeah. there? I mean, yeah, just like the national forest. Yeah, there's like so many people that like go missing, but no one's ever like gone through like every single acre like of our forest. Yeah, to see, like how oh, could they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I he 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 hits that nail on the head perfectly, and that's my biggest. I'm like, oh, that's awesome because yeah. I actually really identify with that fear. Is like, you just don't know what's going on. It out is, there. and it's it's the best setup. Like in the setup for this movie, it's the eeriest aspect of it. Yeah, as soon as they get stranded out there and abandoned, it's like, yeah, this is this is a, everything's you know tits up from here on out. Like right, yeah. but I, and I'm cool with it. I mean, I didn't I didn't care either way i kind of like give or take the like oh the family's got to be vicious too in order to right. survive i'm like yeah it makes sense yeah but it, it, in a way it i had almost missed the mark because it feels justified right like in a lot of ways like they, it's they not, had it coming yeah it doesn't thing. yeah mm-hmm. like they're murdering cannibals doesn't really feel like they're being savage so much as like just saving like defending yeah. themselves which is a critic uh which is like criticism someone else has levied against the film is yeah like, the main, the central thesis kind of falls apart under scrutiny because they're just they're just put under so much duress that it's like, yeah, why wouldn't you like try and save like keep safe be alive? Yeah, they really are fighting to stay and, alive at the end of the movie. And that's something that I think that like we we touch on you know consistently is this idea of like people in Beanie's case they did they, he was in prison right? yeah he just torture there's nothing he's gonna do they're just gonna torture him yeah but this idea of like how how thoroughly does like the metaphor hold up for the entire movie right this idea of treating like the cannibal family as like symbols of like poor lower class people and then treating the the suburban family as being like the bourgeois like yeah like uh privileged and then like what happens in the conflict between those two different worlds or whatever and it's like the metaphor doesn't have to hold up all the way to the end like the fact that the cannibal family does get wiped out is like because like you're saying is like well does that mean that like the upper class wins in this situation like if you hold the metaphor literally true throughout the end of it yeah but then it's like well that's kind of not the point it's also just a story and like you right. know it's the same thing with like we talk about with like ready or not or bodies 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 or any of these other things where there is under an underlying alleg- or in an episode coming out that people will listen to after this episode uh we kind of touch on this conversation a lot too because that was recorded before this uh but yeah about you know is it is it unsatisfying like maybe like as far as like a metaphor goes but then like is it the story better served by you know I, do, I think that like mm-hmm. you know craven's gone on record as the inspiration is the beanie is this be- son bean yeah sonny bean sonny bean My oh bad. i was like Sonny i was bean. like what a cute Who's name beanie? for him like just beanie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a cute name for that cute, cute old man it makes it sound like he like yeah, his all shenanigans that he was up to like i'm gonna like, call like, him like uh, like sonny legume Sonny legume, um, Sonny frijole. But he, yeah, 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 exactly. If his inspiration is that story, and that story is explicitly about like, his takeaway was the explicit like uh, inhumanity to each other about yeah. it is like that is about it's about like the the vengeance was more than vengeance. Yeah, was, the vengeance was, was equally gruesome. Right. 
So it doesn't, I, I guess it's, but it's his second movie. So he's yeah. learning to develop these themes more consistently. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I guess it, in the context of it being a second movie, it's a great first, like a great second movie to make because it still kind of even has, even has that theme. Yeah, it has Lots of filmmakers would get that script and mm-hmm. it would just be like, I don't know, yeah. carn- like <laughs> brutal and bloody and we'd all just be like, well, that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot more going on in this one. Um, yeah, that's the Hills of Eyes, guys. Uh, have you guys seen anything else lately that you really liked? Do you want to go or do you want me to go? You should go first. Are you sure? Yes. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm very flattered. Um, I One, I'm going to steal somebody in this room's favorite movie, but I loved Prey. Oh, yeah. Dan Trachtenberg uh, directed this movie. I love everything about it, too, like the production, all the notes you hear about it. Uh, Amber Mid Thunder is just incredible. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and like Trachtenberg just has a great eye for like well contained horror, like, like kind of sci fi horror stuff. Like yeah. I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. Somebody talked about this in their analysis of Prey, too, and about his the idea of like he's a guy who can take very recognizable IP yeah. and then like do make a really tight, small, but like in like interesting horror movie with yeah. it and just knock it out of the he park. He has a really good sense of scope that mm-hmm. I think we we miss in a lot of especially franchise movies where mm-hmm. like the thing is just to, to build the next movie but yeah. this is the beauty of this and something someone else tweeted was like the beauty of this is the whole fun of Predator is to just drop them in like a completely random environment. So they're like we should have more movies that just like what if the yakuza had to sword fight as a predator mm-hmm. or you know all these other kinds of scenarios, which what Prey if the, answers what if some T1000 of those questions. T one thousand went back to yeah the frontier west, which I think like I sent you that fucking, meme. Yeah, <laughs> I sent that meme, and obviously we've shouted out like the dog Coco, but that oh, movie, man. and it's just really well made. It is. It's just a beautiful movie too. When you like, when he pairs a script down like that, where it's not just some like ridiculous sci fi explosive action like craziness, like Shane Black's version of Predator in the most recent turn. Like, uh, he has this way of being able to use his budget to create better things, like more atmosphere through, mm-hmm. you know, production design. There's, like, fog, really good stuff with mist, uh, the natural, like, landscaping. Yeah, did you setting get, like... Setting it up really well. This is, like, spoilery, so I'm sorry, but, like, the, the scenes of, uh, like, the wildlife in 2 as being, yeah, like, parallels for, like, like, what's going on. Yeah, fighting his way up the, the food chain. Yeah, but then, like, trying to bring, like, cinema, like, from a cinematography and, you know like storytelling standpoint he'll he'll do these like sh- this shot of like the rabbit getting yeah. chased by the wolf and stuff and you're like this is a disney movie this is fucking awesome like it's, yeah i don't know yeah yeah and no animals were harmed in the making of the film they cg like a whole bunch of animals oh yeah um but it, it, it he like knows how to pull his punches so i love to pray um i'm watching severance the, sh- the show right now on apple tv it's a big mystery show um that i'm i'm actually starting to really like Especially as I work a nine to five, I'm starting to be like, you know, I would like to have the severance <laughs> procedure. I would like to not remember some parts of my work day. Yeah, the premise of that is really interesting to me. I really it's like cool, it. It's yeah. holding up really yeah. well for me right now. Um, I, haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but I, I like the idea of it. The yeah. idea is that people, yeah, when they go to work, they or when they leave work, they like lose all memory. Yeah, so they say separate versa. their consciousness from when they work and when they're at home. Yeah. So like when you get in an elevator to go down to your floor, you like zone out Mind and come back to yeah. work work version of you yeah um and so it's like a, the larger there's some great existential questions yeah. about it so like a great example is like when they're like talking about like oh if you want to quit like you can quit they're like yeah but you would be annihilating your work personality essentially like killing yourself yeah and it was like 
wait, what? Like, <laughs> two episodes <laughs> deep. And it's not like sci-fi-y. It's like very like... Uh, it's almost like Black Mirror kind of. Uh, like. Primer kind of, where like it's it's like a very well-known atmosphere. These people are on computers yeah. and in cubicles with little halogen lights, and they have stupid little like office parties where they get cake. You know, it's like very relatable, uh, but in yeah. a deeply well, like of office culture. And Ben Stiller directed it all. Oh of yeah, it. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, one of his one of his directing things. So I've, I'm watching a lot of things right now. So Severance, I really really like. Um, and then I started Righteous Gemstones, which is you've never a, seen Righteous Gemstones. I'm only two episodes. Dude, deep. oh uh, that first season particularly. Yeah, David Gordon Green. The okay. uh, for those who don't know, who did um, Halloween. The new one. Did he do Halloween Kills as well? Yeah. Did he do all three? Mm-hmm. Um, the Halloween Kills, famous for Pineapple Express. Everybody knows that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he got this TV show, started with Danny McBride, and they hired... John um, Goodman. John there, Goodman is the, is the lead. Oh, John Goodman. And he it's, plays like... Have you not no seen Righteous Gemstones? I haven't. Oh, that's great. It's HBO comedy. It, and it's got Adam Adam Devine. Adam Devine, Adam yeah. I think. Is Adam um, Levine? Yeah, Levine is the Maroon 5 singer. That's right. Okay. The (laughs) The dude from Workaholics. Yeah. Yeah. He plays the best character Exactly. So it's very goofy. Like, it's got that kind of Workaholics comedy. It's very goofy. And Danny McBride. So they're all just, like, punching each other in the nuts and making jokes. But it's about, like, a family uh, of preachers um, who, like, their dad's, like, a mega preacher. They're literally, like, the classic, like, Baptist family where they just – they have – you know, like they have limos and a compound and they have like private jets. Um, but it's like all told through the lens of this hilarious, like Danny McBride doing his like classic Danny McBride bits. Um, so that, and then, uh, and then my last rec, I'm watching it right now. I know you're watching it. Reservation dogs is going. Nice. Yeah. I have yet to catch up. I've got two episodes Um, to catch up on, but I can't, now that it's airing, Everyone should go watch this show. You need to talk to uh, – so I can't wait for you to hear the next episode because Blake has some really exciting news about the director of Reservation Dogs and uh, some stuff he has coming up. So that's – I'll tell you off, Mike. Um, what do you got? Yeah, like so the more that I want to watch movies, the less I end up doing so. So I just uh, resort to watching uh, shows, which I've been watching a lot of them. Uh one of them, I'm trying to finish uh, The Sandman. I, that was still I my recommendation. That. I want to start it so bad. Every single episode has made me ball. Oh. Like, and, you know, and the, that's... The crow yeah. scene. Like, whatever. there's, oh, I no. mean, there's just, there's, there's so, there's so many. You'll figure it and out. Okay, good. If y'all have read, um, you know, the comic books, like... See, I never read the comics. It's So The Sandman's based on Neil Gaiman's comic series. Yeah. You're going to come at me for not knowing this, but you haven't read I haven't read Sandman. them. No, I haven't. It's so good. I know. It's what I, yeah. It's literally all these books surrounding me are all classics, and you haven't read Sandman? It's like, next time I come around... Yeah, it'll be up there. I'll grab it. ...needs to be in here yeah. for sure. I don't, have to, I don't have to read anything for any upcoming episodes, so we'll, uh, I'll put that one on the list for sure. Good for good sure. rec. I, I heard yeah. fans of the comic will love the show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was a bit hesitant because, you know, especially over the past few years, like turning a graphic novel like into a TV series or even like, you know... And on into, Netflix. ...into mm-hmm. a film, especially on Netflix, like it's kind of always up in the air. So I always like... I always hope for the best, um, and with the like with the Sandman, like I mean Neil Gaiman has been trying to put this out into the universe in yeah like in visual form since I mean since it first like came out like thirty years ago or so. Mm-hmm. So now 
actually watching it and from the first episode up until you know like even in the middle of like this this one particular episode where we we get introduced to death just Mm -hmm. i started bawling just started bawling because seeing these characters have you uh heard his interview or like heard him talk about like why he created the character of death uh, like the way he did or like why she is the way she is it's really interesting somebody asked him because like as somebody who was like a comic book fan like they were like why you know why did you make death so cute and he's like when i thought of the character so neil gaiman too is also like a master of mythology and like you know of all of all types and stuff too um so he essentially with this comic series and the show and stuff he has created his own sort of mythological universe or whatever um and he talked about how like he said when i envisioned the character of death and who i i thought of who i would like to death death to be like essentially and so i thought about what i would want from death and i imagined that i would want a death who is wise and kind and caring in a way and so it's like in that sense it's like you're like that's so poignant and and sweet but also like it's i don't know it's awesome yeah definitely Uh, definitely seeing these these characters that i you know i like read on pages like years ago and like seeing them on the screen like um abel and cain make their appearances and then watching watching them i just like started bawling because you know i thought oh wow like they got these they they got the perfect people to like represent these characters that like mean so much to us so i've been trying to finish it but because i've been like crying in every like every episode i have like <laughs> one more episode to go but it's very exciting i love shows that take an emotional toll on you yeah. like that though it's nice well i mean i i uh like speaking of emotional tolls like uh yeah years ago when i got heavily into black mirror oh yeah i thought oh my oh, god man. yes I, I can binge watch this <laughs> wrong wrong decision oh, on mess my, up your whole week yeah wrong Jeez. decision on my part because i would like get off of work by like midnight or like one o'clock and i was like oh yeah like this i can like fall asleep to wrong thing to fall asleep to (sighs) i i recommend black mirror it was not one of my recommendations but i would recommend it but let alone uh yeah and i think one of the the other the other shows that i've been watching i just binge watched this show on on hulu called this fool I don't oh. know if you guys have oh, heard of it. I've, heard, I've, I've seen I've ads. scrolled past this, but I, I didn't it's, know anything about it. I've been getting it. targeted yeah. ads. Yeah, like I'm it's, a big it's FX re- watcher. Yeah, <laughs> like it's really, it's really good. Like it tells the story of uh, this like uh, comedian like co-wrote it. And uh, so it tells like the story of this guy who like works at a nonprofit for like um, rehabilitating ex-gang members. And he has to like um, kind of take his cousin who has just like been released from prison like under his wing so like it's this comedy that's like very like very true to form where it's like i'm glad that there's spaces out there like promoting more like latinx like um works of art like this one because it's hilarious it definitely touches on like deep-rooted issues that america still has with the prison system but also like doing it in a light-hearted way where it's like Yes, I know that these things may be difficult to speak about, but also like you can find you can find like the beauty in things. And it's it's a great show. I highly recommend it. It made me laugh out loud in every single episode. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would definitely yeah. recommend this fool for sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you stole my recommendation with the Sandman 
I've been I've been checking that one out. I will also recommend. I'm still blown away you haven't read. That. Yeah, it's I I'll get to it. It's it's definitely up my alley. So it's just something that I somehow wow. have, uh, have slept on. So um, my <laughs> other rec. See what uh, you did there. <laughs> my other rec was uh you know my first time watching was this weekend. Uh, so at Texas Theater to celebrate Bianca's birthday, uh, we watched Queen of the Dam uh, upstairs. Oh, did you go to the Queen screening? Of the Dam. It was so good. I, that was my first we time sold watching it that. Out. Yeah, we sold there was it people out. sitting was in the stairwells and stuff. Yeah. It was so great. Yeah, um, it was. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I had a great yeah. time watching that. And uh, man, what a horny fucking movie! And it was, I was like, <laughs> thank yeah. you for mentioning that. Yeah. Someone mentioned like, oh, like it's just so, like it's so, uh, what is it? Like, is it meant to be like that sexy and that moody? And I'm like, yes, yeah, of course. It's like, <laughs> it's the fucking early 2000s. It's fucking Aaliyah. Like, yeah, we too. have Aaliyah playing Seriously. Akasha. Like, yeah, like, of course, like, it should, it should be, like. The proto-Twilight, and yeah. it was, uh so fucking good. The, true horny yeah. vampire. True, and then true new metal vampire, like, oh, just, yeah. I, new metal, yeah. like, shit is coming full circle for me now, where it's just, like, unironically pulpy and fun for me. Yeah. And so, when I watch movies like that, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, when I watch the remake of the, the 2006 Hills Have Eyes, whenever you watch any of those mid-2000s remakes, it's, like, all of those great, like, new metal stingers at the end. I'm just like, I kind of, it's indulgent for me now, and I'm, I'm down for it. Um, but good rex guys. Uh, so hey, there's a Instagram page for this podcast. It's at Scary Sunday Scaries. Uh, there's also a Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/ScarySundaysCaries, where you can go and listen to episodes as soon as I get done editing you get and uploading. Bonus them. episodes before they go. Bonus out on episodes platforms. up there, like weeks before that. they come out. Yeah, we had a bonus episode on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies that was up there, and as of you listening to this, will be actually out on all platforms. Um, but yeah, go check out our Instagram and comment on our shit. Um, I have a personal Instagram. It's at Trav the Guy. I think Daniel has one too. Oh, I am uh, at DG underscore Pappas. And I know Bianca does, and it's the best Instagram handle. Yeah, it's like the girl who works at the box office. It's so, so good. Yeah. I fucking love it. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, next week, we are covering another slasher. Uh, I don't know if you looked at the list or not. We've uh... I did, but I, I haven't done it in this week. Yeah, so for next week, we're going back to the 2000s, or 2000, I should say, uh, and covering American Psycho. Uh, oh, Christian that's Bale, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Willem Dafoe, and everybody else that's in the Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I was trying to think of the... In uh, one more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic movie, and I'm excited for everybody here and talk about it. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a good week. Don't, uh, don't feel too awkward about Monday. I don't know. Also, we're recording this. I forgot uh, to mention this up top. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Day. Did you know this? Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, August, August 18th. 18th. Yep, it's Texas Look Chainsaw Massacre that. Day. It's the day that the events of Tains- Texas Chainsaw Massacre happened. Yeah, they did. Loosely inspired by a true 50 story. 50 years ago. Yep. Uh, we'll get to that eventually. Won't All we? full circle. Go yep. chainsaw at, your friends, kids. Apples. Go chainsaw your friend. Don't cha- chainsaw with consent, please. All right. <laughs>